You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast, featured on allhabs.net, brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 186 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm uh, glad you're here, uh, and you're here for the full show today, uh, which is uh, which is is wonderful, actually. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, usually somebody kicks me out, but uh, I'm glad that uh, we can all team up and be friends this time around. Well, we've got an extra chair. We brought, finally, we brought in an extra chair in the studio. And so Amy Johnson will be joining us in the, uh, in our big topic segment. Uh, but that way you don't have to, you don't have to leave. You can stay right throughout. Yeah, it'll be the first time that Amy and I have been in the same room at the same time. Uh-oh. So hopefully the world doesn't implode. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Um, so we've got a, a huge show uh, for everyone uh, today. Um, last night, of course, uh, open yesterday was the opening of Major League Baseball opening day. Everybody's excited. Were you watching last night? Were you watching Blue Jays? Were you watching uh, any any team last night? Uh, no, not not watching any baseball. I'm personally not much of a baseball guy, but uh, I was covering uh, the Laval game last night, and uh, uh, that that was an entertaining game on its own. So I don't think uh, I I don't feel like I missed out on anything, did I? Well, uh, yeah. I, I um, to be honest, I was I was keeping an eye on the Laval game too, but apparently we both missed out on a crazy opening day game for uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. They trailed at one point seven nothing to the uh, Texas Rangers. Uh, and ended up winning that game uh, ten to eight, um, which apparently is the third third largest comeback in Major League Baseball history. So, um, lots of fans at Rogers Center, um, um, including uh, many of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Carey Price was there. Uh, many fans uh, tweeting on Twitter um, pictures with uh, with the Canadians. Carey Price, Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield were all sitting together. Jeff Petrie was there. Uh, Jake Evans and and Brendan Gallagher are both big Blue Jays fans. They were there. So 
the Canadians uh, were certainly in the house, uh, but uh, but we missed we missed that uh, that one last night. Yeah, that's too bad. Actually, uh, just thinking of it now, I think I maybe saw the Toronto Raptors rookie Scotty Barnes do the opening pitch for that game. Is that right? Uh, could be. Yeah, could be. Um, but it, it was nice to have, of course, the Canadians are in uh, Toronto tonight to face the Leafs. So they took uh, a day to, to enjoy another sport. Yeah, and uh, we'll certainly uh, get to that uh, Toronto game happening uh, tonight on Saturday. But uh, first, I'll uh, just let everybody know about what we're doing in this podcast. So here in segment one, we're going to start things off with our week in review, highlight all the memorable moments from this past week, and then give you all your roster updates we also have our Habs prospect report and uh, some audio and quotes from uh, Guy Boucher and Brendan Gallagher, among others, for our quotes of the week. Then uh, some hockey news to end segment one. And then in segment two, as you mentioned, Amy Johnson's going to step in and join us for a discussion called Rebuilding the Leadership. So we're going to talk about all the leadership in Montreal, what makes a good leader, all that kind of stuff. And then in segment three, we'll update you on all the new content available on allhabs.net. We have our question of the week. What was your favorite moment from Canadians Photo Day? We want to hear from you. And also, we have a, an email that came in, I believe, from Dino that we'll get to. And finally, we will get you all prepared for the coming week. And Rick, if uh, people want to interact with us, uh, what's the best way to go about doing that? Reach out to us on social media. It's All Habs on Twitter, on um, Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, you can also reach us uh, by email. As you said, we have uh, some emails coming in, info at allhabs.net or our Rocket Sports text line, which is 5853-ROCKET. You can reach out to us 24 hours a day. And also, give us a follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can visit our website, CanadiansConnection.com. So, starting things off, we have our week in review, all the memorable moments. Please check out our comprehensive previews and post-game reviews for every Canadian's game at AllHabs.net. So going back all the way to last Saturday, April the 2nd, uh, Montreal beats Tampa Bay in the shootout 5-4. to four. Um, It was the debut of Jordan Harris. Uh, honestly, I thought he looked pretty decent in that game. And uh, what do you think happened to Tampa there that they uh, lost to Montreal? Uh, Tampa looked uh, disinterested. And um, I, I think uh, the Canadians simply outworked them. Canadians had a a big second period scoring three times. Um, and you know, Tampa was kind of on, on autopilot, um, didn't have their, their number one goaltender in, in the net. And, and, um, and now, you know, Tampa can play that game, um, and, uh, and still end up, uh, pushing the game to overtime. Um, so, uh, for the Canadians to, to win in a shootout though, was, um, I, I mean, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a big accomplishment. Uh, Nick Suzuki with game-deciding goal. Um, a lot of fun there. Mm -hmm. And then on Tuesday, uh, Ottawa was in Montreal, and they win 6-3. to three. A bit of shaky goaltending for both teams. Uh, first career or first NHL goal for uh, Justin Barron, which is really nice to see. And uh, Nick Suzuki uh, was involved in a little bit of a kneeing in incident uh, with Tim Stutzla. Uh, in my mind, it was clearly a penalty, but uh, there were some comments after the game that made some headlines. 
There were um, Brendan Gallagher um, yeah, was was quite vocal in in criticizing Tim Stutzla. Um, we'll, we'll 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 hear those comments uh, in in our quotes of the week. Um, as you said, clearly a penalty kneeing. Uh, it's uh, it's awfully dangerous and and certainly. Had the roles been reversed, that the Canadians would have been pretty concerned about Nick Suzuki. Um, this game was, as you said, Justin Barron, um, his first goal, and it was a nice goal too. It was uh, bar down. It was, it was real nice. Um, but uh, Ottawa uh, was clearly um, in control of this game. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, uh, one last thing I'll say about uh, the Stitzla and uh, Nick Suzuki incident is uh, I don't think it was on purpose by Suzuki. Definitely a no. reactionary thing. It, uh, But at the end of the day, uh, in my mind, that was a very clear penalty. And then on Thursday, uh, that's April the 7th, uh, Montreal has a bit of an offensive explosion, scoring seven, but uh, getting scored on four times by New Jersey. That's a seven to four score. Uh, the Habs actually chased uh, the Hamburglar out of the net. Uh, he gave up six goals on 19 shots. And this was the first time that uh, Chris Weidman had a three-point game. I'll also mention uh, there were actually seven different goal scorers for Montreal. It was uh, it was an odd game. Um, Andrew Hammond, who had come in in difficult circumstances and and performed admirably for uh, Montreal um, when they were in need, um, and uh, uh, he he didn't look very good against the Canadians. Um, he gave up uh, six goals on nineteen shots before being pulled, um, and honestly, they weren't high quality shots either. Um, the, Can- the Canadians had four high-danger scoring chances in the first 40 minutes. So uh, on the other end, Jake Allen didn't look good at all either. He gave up uh, three pretty soft goals. Um, and with Jake Allen, you know, that's that's what happens. He's uh, He can look great for short periods of time, uh, but uh, is no longer the guy who can, who can take a team and be the number one goaltender. Um, he's, he's, his performances have declined, uh, through the week as his workload. And as, uh, you know, it's clear that he's the number one right now. Um, so the Canadians get the win. Um, it was very entertaining game. Um, but just, uh, uh, yeah, from, from a goals from scoring 11 goals, uh, between the two teams, but, uh, not much in the way of goaltending in this game. Nope, not at all. So uh, after that win, uh, the Canadians' record is currently 20, 40, and 11. And uh, what's this? Am I reading this right? 31st in the NHL? They made it out of the basement. Uh, Arizona's there currently. And uh, and so uh, lots of fans are a little concerned that that means they don't have the best. Oh, it still can buy the, the lottery. They can still obtain the first overall pick. But uh, the best odds right now, if this season ended right now, go to Arizona. Yeah, so I guess some good news, bad news. You get to possibly some more entertaining hockey, but at the same time, your odds of winning the draft lottery go down. So speaking of uh, good news, bad news, uh, we're going to do our roster and injury updates. Last Saturday against Tampa, Ryan Paling returned to the lineup. Uh, Paling's had a pretty decent season so far. It was nice to see him back. But uh, for tonight against Toronto on Saturday, April the 9th, uh, he is currently a game-time decision. 
That's right. He didn't take the the morning skate. Had a therapy day. Uh, we'll see if if he makes it into the lineup um, tonight. And Brendan Gallagher returned to the lineup against Ottawa, as I mentioned before, and we'll certainly get to it. Uh, he definitely made some headlines, but uh, he did score in that game, so that's a good thing. He did made made an impact in more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> Kale Clegg, uh, who was uh, claimed off of waivers earlier this season, returned to the lineup against New Jersey. Uh, he actually had a goal in that game. He did. Um, uh, it was an odd decision for Clegg to come in, Harris uh, to go out. You might want to see uh, more games for, for Jordan Harris, uh, but we'll, the situation will be reversed tonight with Clegg coming out and Harris back in. Jonathan Druin is still on COVID-19 protocol and will continue to follow guidelines sent by the NHL. Uh, I guess, uh, what's uh, your timeline for that one, Rick? We There is no timeline, and, and it's not only uh, the COVID issue, but his wrist issue, and it looks like you know there's been speculation that uh, he will have season-ending surgery um, once he's done the, the, the COVID stint, uh, we're unlikely to see uh, Jonathan Duran for the rest of the season. And uh, some good news is uh, assistant coach Luke Richardson rejoined the team earlier this week after recovering from COVID. Uh, great to see Luke back. Uh, that'll be a huge boost to Montreal Canadiens morale. It is. Um, the, his defensemen love him, um, and it's it's uh, unfortunate that he wasn't there for the first games of uh, Justin Barron of Jordan Harris. But uh, he has uh, he's very positive on the bench. He's uh, his constructive criticism criticism is is um, very very good, and he has this ability like Harry Price. He has the, the ability to calm the bench. You know, Marty St. Louis full of emotion. Um, uh, Burroughs full of emotion. They're, they're, you know, they're very emotional guys. Luke Richardson just calms everything down and, uh, he's been missed. Jeff Petrie may return tonight against Toronto after being out with a lower body injury. Uh, do you have any insights on that one? Been out seven games with uh, a lower body injury game time decision, uh, tonight betting man. I would, I would say that he will be in the lineup tonight. Awesome. And Carey Price is on the Canadians' road trip and is getting close to returning. Um, do you think we might see him before season's end? Yes. Yes, for sure. Given the way he's looking in practice, uh, you, you can tell that Carey Price wants to, wants to return. Um, you know, he seems to, he's had some setbacks with his knee, with the swelling, but uh, seems to be past that now. And... Um, we're not going to see him tonight uh, against Toronto. Many had been speculating that he might be in. Uh, Sunday is a day off, uh, which means that he's unlikely to play um, in uh, against uh, Winnipeg Jets on Monday. Um, so I would say that you know the, the Canadians have a, a back-to-back. Um, they have back-to-back home games um, Friday and Saturday. Uh, next week, uh, Friday against the Islanders, Saturday against Washington. Um, I'd expect to see Kerry in one of those uh, two games. It'll be awesome to get him back, uh, even though it's kind of the end of the season here. But uh, everyone loves Kerry Price, so I'm happy that he'll be able to play. 
and he's um, you know in practice he's he's the same competitive self. Uh, Brennan Gallagher uh, said it's always tough to get a, a puck by him. Uh, Jeff Petrie was very frustrated. Uh, he was determined to score on Carey Price. Uh, on Friday, did not, and was looked to the skies. And and uh, uh, interesting though that that Jordan Harris got a couple by him, and uh, uh, maybe that maybe uh, he has a has something to his shot that Kerry hasn't seen yet. So uh, a very cerebral kind of goaltender. He pays attention to uh, where the hand placement, to where the puck is on the blade, all kinds of things. So. Um, he'll he'll figure out uh, Jordan P- uh, Harris pretty soon. Jordan Harris uh, made his NHL debut against the Lightning last Saturday. Uh, he ended up sitting out against New Jersey on Thursday. Uh, what were your thoughts on Harris's debut, and uh, what do you think uh, will happen with him for the remainder of the season? Um, uh, tremendous. Uh, he's poised. Um, he's he's caught, he knows when to when to jump in, when not to. Uh, and, and he just looked very, very good and, and very mobile, just an excellent skater, uh, to join the rush, to be able to move the puck out. Um, I thought he looked, uh, excellent and, and, you know, he has a chance to get some uh, experience, uh, towards the end of the season in the last, uh, 10 or so games when it doesn't really matter. And, and that will help him greatly for the start of next season. Another uh, young fellow that uh, has joined the Canadians organization is uh, Emil Heinemann. Uh, he signed a three-year entry-level contract. Uh, he was acquired as part of the Toffoli trade, if people remember. Um, where do you expect him to report, and uh, when do you think that might happen? He's, uh, as you said, uh, part of the, that Toffoli trade, uh, signed his three-year at ELC. He'll um, uh, head down to... Um, the Laval rocket, I believe he, he arrived in Montreal on Friday. Um, and, um, he'll sign a, a, he has signed a PTO as we'll, we'll talk about, uh, when we talk about the prospects and, um, he'll make his, he'll practice and make his debut with, uh, Laval before the end of the season. Patrick Langlois, the assistant to the equipment manager, uh, worked his, 2500th professional game last Saturday against Tampa Bay. So big congratulations to Patrick. And uh, I, I guess hopefully at some point he can be the actual equipment manager, not just the assistant to kind of like a Dwight Schrute type situation. Next year. Um, Next year. <laughs> Pierre Gervais uh, has been the head equipment manager for the Canadians for 35 years. Uh, and of course we know at the beginning of the season, he, uh, announced uh, that he would be retiring at the end of the year. Um, and we saw in, in photo day uh, on Monday that they took a special photo. Usually the equipment managers are standing towards the back. Well, they took one photo with uh, Pierre Gervais right up front um, with the team. He's much loved. Uh, being an equipment manager is is a really difficult job. They They work when everybody else is is sleeping and, and, uh, it, uh, incredible amount of work and, uh, what a wonderful career for Pierre Gervais. Um, but alongside him for the last 2,500 games has been, uh, Patrick Langlois and he will take over as head equipment manager, uh, in for the 2022-23 season. 
Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield were named co-winners of the Molson Cup for the month of March. Caulfield and Suzuki led the team with seven goals, eight power play points, and 44 shots in 15 games this past March. So congratulations to Nick and Cole. Uh, do you think this was the right decision? Uh, I think so. They, they become a, a, a formidable threat and, and certainly are joined at the hip on and off the ice. So we saw that uh, Cole Caulfield is, is uh, renting a house um, and, and kind of renting a dog. And, and he and uh, Nick went shopping for furniture. And, uh, and apparently Nick is making some furniture for Cole Caulfield's place, uh, which is interesting. But yes, on the ice, they've been very productive, very dangerous and uh, you can expect to see them together for the rest of the season and likely for the start of next. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, to me, those guys are the future core, so that's uh, nice to see them both get some recognition. So now it's time for our Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Laval Rocket's record is currently 32-23-3-2, and that's uh, 12th in the AHL and second in the Northern Division. So they're right amidst the playoff race, uh, the Northern Division's a bit of a horse race at the moment uh, a lot of teams have the same amount of wins so it's going to be tight uh, leading up towards the end of the season extremely uh, extremely extremely tight and uh second sounds good but um as jeff wool said you're you're a loss out of uh sixth place because the percentage uh points are 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 so different uh, so so uh close and uh um the Rocket have, have just 11 games left, and, and they have to make sure uh, to, uh, to do and all divisional games and, and to do their best uh, to hold on to that playoff spot that they have. Yeah, a bit of an up-and-down week uh, for Laval. Uh, going back to the second, they uh, lost 6-1 to one to Abbotsford. And then on the third, the very next day of a back-to-back, again, on the road in Abbotsford, they lost 3-1. to one. Uh, Simply, I felt like they were being outplayed, and they just could not take advantage of any scoring opportunities in either game. Uh, they didn't look good. Travel might have been um, an issue. This is the first time they've traveled out to to BC to face Abbotsford uh, didn't look good in Winnipeg didn't look good in, in um, Abbotsford so um, it, it yeah it, un, unfortunate um, Abbotsford was able to uh, they had incentive to win they they were able to clinch uh, a playoff spot of their own uh, in uh, beating Lavelle but uh, they had a nice little ba- bounce back at home against Rochester on the fourth they actually won six to two a very high scoring game primo was solid laval capitalized on most of their opportunities and then last night on friday the game i was watching uh laval took rochester to overtime despite uh, a bit of a wonky second period in which they got scored on three times uh they managed to battle back and win four to three uh sammy niku scored the tying goal and set up the game winner in overtime yeah, Niku um, was away from the team. Um, his uh, wife having a baby uh, rejoined them in Winnipeg and didn't look great in in Abbotsford, but uh, has been a bit of a force since then and and certainly helped them. Uh, was was instrumental in the overtime win last night. 
uh, Laval was outplayed. They were outshot badly uh, in that game. Uh, sorry, um, the reverse. Um, uh, Laval outshot uh, Rochester, uh, but um, Uko Pekalukanen in, in the Rochester net um, was sensational and, and kept them in the game. And, and uh, But those are two big wins against uh, a team that they're fighting uh, for a playoff spot against. Yep, and they have one more team that they're fighting for a spot against. Uh, they're playing against them tonight. It's the second half of a back-to-back against Utica. So that's another rival, te- rival team that they are going to want to beat uh, so that they can continue to be in a playoff position. Yeah, Utica um, is, uh, they're sitting pretty in, in the top spot in the north. No one's going to touch them. They're, they're, that's where they're likely to finish. Um, they're a very good team. Uh, but uh, Belleville just um, beat them two games, so uh, they can be beaten. And, and Nate Schnarr, who uh, came over in a trade um, and played for uh, Utica this year, played very well for them, is going to have some extra incentive, uh, I'm, I'm assuming. Laval Rocket uh, signed Ford Emil Heineman to a PTO, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, and it sounds like he'll probably be around at least for the AHL playoffs. For sure, um, yeah, he's uh, he's signed that PTO, uh, and as we explained in the press zone uh, on Tuesday, uh, will be available uh, for the playoffs for Laval. Lucas Condotta made his pro debut with Laval on Friday versus Rochester. Uh, he looked pretty good. I liked his uh, battle, and uh, he seemed to be very good at handling the puck. He did, uh, praised by J.F. Uhl, uh after the game. Um, they, they got him into the lineup a little uh, more than maybe they expected with Gabriel Bork going out with an injury. Um, you know, For his first pro game, uh, he played very well. He's from UMass Lowell, uh, signed as a free agent. He was very physical, winning the puck battles, as you said, using his size very effectively. Um, and uh, he was very smiley in his uh, media availability after the game. So we also have some updates on the NCAA Hockey Championship. So Minnesota State goaltender Dryden McKay was named winner of the Hobie Baker Award on Friday. Uh, He set an NCAA record winning 38 games. Uh, Currently, he's undrafted and uh, he will be eligible to sign with any team he wants. So the Hobie Baker Award, big deal in college hockey. We remember a year ago uh, that Cole Caulfield uh, won the Hobie Baker Award. Um, he, he won that award, we found out, um, uh, as, as uh, warm-ups were just finishing in, in Laval uh, and, then, and then played, uh, played a, a, a pro game for Laval. That was, that was quite an event. At the time, uh, Dryden McKay was um, a finalist. A Hopi Baker um, uh, hat trick, as they call it, the three finalists. Uh, Dryden McKay, a, a, a finalist last year, beat out by Cole Caulfield and uh, won it all this year uh, by with a sensational um, uh, see. And he, he's had a, a great career, a great NCAA career, um, and he's going to be pursued by uh, a number of teams uh, to be signed as a free agent. Um, but he's got a he's got a game to play. got one more college game to play yet. Uh, Dryden McKay, are you is that an odd name? Yes, it is. Um, interestingly enough, named for Montreal Canadiens legend Ken Dryden. 
Yeah, there's something about a guy named Dryden that just makes me want him to play for Montreal. So it's fascinating that um, you know you you name your child Dryden McKay, and he goes on to be um, one of the best ever in in uh, college hockey <laughs> at that position. Yeah, exactly. Jordan Harris was named an All-American and added to the second East team. So congratulations to Jordan Harris. A big deal to be named as an All-American. And, and uh, uh, Jordan Harris was earlier named the best defenseman in the ECAC. And so this is just a, another uh, award for him on a, on a great college career. And uh, we hope that that continues in the NHL as well. So the University of Denver and Minnesota State will play for the NCAA hockey title on Saturday night. Minnesota State beat the University of Minnesota 5-1 to in the semifinal game. Denver beat the University of Michigan 3-2 to in overtime. And uh, I believe uh, Brent Stapley will be playing in uh, the finals tonight, correct? Brett Stapley for the Denver Pioneers. Um, Brett had a, uh, a goal in the semifinal. Um, and uh, has played very well. And so uh, Canadians down to one prospect uh, in this final. Uh, of course, uh, one of the Pitlicks, uh, Rhett Pitlick, was playing for uh, University of Minnesota, but they were beat by Minnesota State. It's very uh, – Denver, that game against uh, Michigan that they beat them in overtime. Remember, this is a huge upset. Michigan, seven first-round picks in that lineup. They were the overwhelming favorites – um, so Denver is uh, quite an accomplishment taking them out. Uh, Minnesota State, the first time uh, that they're playing for the the final, and they'll have Dryden McKay in, in net, the Hobie Baker winner. So um, this is going to be a game, uh, a good game to watch uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, so if the game tonight on Saturday goes wrong against Toronto, then uh, definitely tune into the NCAA and you'll have something to cheer cheer about. Or have a second screen going, and that's that's you know that's always fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so be sure to read all the content at ahl.report and listen to and subscribe to the Press Zone. On last week's podcast, we had another great uh, edition of the AHL Hot Stove with Patrick Patrick Williams. It was fun, and um, you know, we, we went through some of the uh, the interesting intricacies of of uh, AHL rules uh, and how people are eligible and and what's happening and and how that relates to the Laval Rockets. So you don't want to miss uh, the press zone. So now I believe it's time for our quotes of the week. Uh, we have a couple different ones here to get to, but uh, the first one comes from. Uh, Guy Boucher talking about Nick Suzuki. So what can you tell us about that one? Guy Boucher, you know him better than, than, uh, than I do. Um, yep. You following the, the Ottawa Senators and, and Guy Boucher being uh, the coach there until, until 2019? Was there yep, about? 2017 to 19. Right. Okay. Yep. So um, kind of a, a colorful, controversial uh, coach at times. Um and he was on uh, 98.5 uh, Radio in Montreal, as he often is. Um, and he was asked about uh, the Canadians and, and, uh, and about Nick Suzuki. And he said, um, and, and because of the talk um, about uh, Nick Suzuki being the top-line center, about him looking so good um, with Cole Caulfield and being the Canadians' 
uh, number one center of the future. Uh, Guy Boucher didn't necessarily agree. Um, he said um, it's because of the situation of the Canadians. We want to see him as the first-line center. I'm quoting here. Um, but he's a second-line center on most teams. But if he were on a top team in the NHL, he'd be, he'd be a third-line center. He's a third-line center in Tampa. He's a third-line center in Colorado and in, Col- and in Toronto. He clearly be playing behind Austin Matthews and John Tavares. So that... Um, uh, a few people in Montreal I saw on social media and got a little upset with uh, Guy Boucher on his comments about um, uh, Nick Suzuki. Kind of, you know, it was seen as as uh, kind of putting him down, crushing him, um, saying he's no better than a, a third line center on a on a Stanley Cup contending team. Um, I, I guess I guess should be used to kind of. Uh, uh, these 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 comments from you know from from the heart I guess uh, from Guy Boucher uh, he's known as a bit of a, an avant-garde kind of uh, coach. Yeah, I mean, in a very literal sense, I guess he's not wrong if you take the exact rosters and just throw Nick Suzuki on that team. I'm not sure how I feel about the quote overall. There's definitely a point there where maybe Nick Suzuki fits better as a number two center instead of a number one but uh yeah i'm, I'm not too sure uh, about that quote from Guy Boucher, to be honest and 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 you're right um you know you look at he he, he clearly said on the leafs um you have austin matthews and you have john Tavares. would uh, nick suzuki displace one of those no uh on the avalanche you have uh, Nathan McKinnon and and uh, Nazem Kadri and and does he displace one of those or is he the third line center? Okay, he has a point there. You look at the Lightning, Stamkos, Braden Point, um, you know Anthony Sorelli. Okay, okay, maybe he he slots in there as a third line uh, center. So, um, but I, would you have that situation? Probably not. I I think. Um, I don't. I don't think the the jury's out yet whether Nick Suzuki is a first line center uh, on a, a Stanley Cup bound team. Is there someone else um, that could be obtained? You know, with a first all, overall pick at the draft um, uh, this year, next year, uh, that that would uh, display, and he'd be a very good uh, second line center. Um, I think people got rankled just because of you know this is Nick Suzuki's best season. Uh, so far, um, 18 goals, 33 assists so far. And um, I, I I didn't get too upset about it. Um, but, you know, this this caused some, some ruffles. He ruffled some feathers in, in the Canadians' community. I, besides that, he also was asked about Rem Pitlick, and he said Rem Pitlick should be a fourth-line player on any team. And, and maybe that upset people too. He's probably right on that. Pitlick is an exciting player on on a on a team that sits in the basement, um, but as SportLogic uh, has from their numbers have uh, said, he's the worst uh, forward defensively in the NHL. Rem Pitlick just doesn't play well without the puck. He he just doesn't, and that's why he was he was found himself on waivers twice this year. Um, so again, you can argue with. Um, 
you know, maybe maybe why he would say what he did, what would the, the purpose, what was the point? Um, technically, is is he wrong? Well, uh, that's that's debatable, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we also have some audio here uh, from Luke Richardson, who uh, had some nice things to say about Yoel uh, Edmondson. I, I was blown away that Carolina let him go, and we had a ch- chance to get him and uh, you know lock him up. I was really excited for him to come in here. And I think he fit the mold uh, of our team and the way we played last year with the big four D and, and, you know, carry back there. It kind of really solidified things in the back end and gave us a chance to do what we did last year. But he's a great guy. He, he's, he has fun with the young guys, but he also is so professional. When he came on the ice just for a few practices when he was hurt this year, he snaps that puck around. He's got um, a presence out there. He's, he's yelling and talking to guys and pushing young guys. And uh, and that's that's a true professional, and and especially in professional sports, to have that veteran leadership when we had a lot of guys down with either COVID or injuries this year, it was huge. Just to even have him out there in a few practices, we all noticed. Uh, I remember talking to Trevor Latowski; he wasn't here last year, so he didn't see it. He hasn't seen Eddie all year this year, and he goes, "Wow, what a difference just one guy in one practice makes." So that's what he means to this team. That's that's huge praise uh, by Luke Richardson on Joel Edmondson. Um, Joel is kind of a, you know, maybe an under the radar kind of guy, and certainly when you look back to the the playoffs, uh, the 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 Canadians going to the uh, Stanley Cup final, um, you talk about Weber and Sherratt and Petrie and the the, the contributions they made, uh, but Joel Edmondson was was very much uh, part of that. Uh, big four at the time. Um, and I think those comments um, ab- about him joining practice and right away being a presence, um, you, the same way, whether it's on the ice or in the locker room, that's the same way Shea Weber was. Uh, he had this presence about him that people people notice. Um, and uh, Luke Richardson, who... Um, you know, he, he, me- he speaks in measured words, and, and uh, I think that's huge praise for uh, Joel Edmondson uh, this week. I should also say, uh, nice to see uh, the assistant coaches uh, behind the mic as well. Uh, usually, uh, in the past, all we would see was the head coach, but uh, good on Chantel McAbee for bringing the um, assistant coaches to the mic as well. In this case, Luke Richardson was rejoining the team, as we said uh, a little bit earlier so it was a perfect opportunity to get his thoughts on a number of people, including Joel Edmondson. Yeah, and that, that will tie in nicely in our uh, big topic discussion in uh, segment two when we uh, discuss leadership. But uh, very high praise coming from Luke Richardson. If uh, I trust anyone's analysis on a defenseman, it's definitely Luke. For sure. And uh, I guess uh, well, our second biggest topic right here is uh, going to be Brenda Gallagher's uh, comments on Senators forward Tim Stutzla from the other night. This one made headlines this week. When I was 10 years old, our coach had a rule. If you lay on the ice and we didn't have trainers, if the coach had to come on the ice and get you, you know, you're too hurt to play. You had to sit for minimum three shifts. He's a great player. Played against him for two, three years now. More than half the games we've played against him, he's laid on the ice, and he's right back out there next shift. He lays on the ice, he acts like he's hurt, he sells a call. He's on the ice, that same power play. It's, you know, there's kids watching. Um, 
we're role models. If I was a teammate of his, I'd tell him to smarten up. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's just not a good look. Very talented player, very good player. He needs to stop laying on the ice. It's embarrassing. So what Brandon Gallagher was doing there, he, he says it's embarrassing for Tim Stutzla to uh, lie on the ice. He was trying to embarrass Tim Stutzla, obviously, um, attacking him the way he did uh, after the game. Um, and he also attacked him during the game, which was uh, interesting, a cross-check. Um, uh, this isn't a good look for Brandon Gallagher. It, it's... Um, it's you, you heard him out of breath. It's, it's a very theatrical performance by, by Brandon Gallagher. Um, and, um, you know, it looks even more silly now that we know uh, the status of, of uh, Tim Stutzla, that he was injured, that uh, he's going to miss at least two games, uh, Thursday's game and tonight's game um, against the Rangers uh, for Ottawa. So, um it's 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 really unfortunate, um, and it's the whole situation was odd. Uh, Nick Suzuki, the knee on knee hit, as you said, uh, probably didn't look intentional, but knee on knee can be serious. Um, he laid on the ice, waited till the trainer came out, um, and and but I think what rankled um, Brendan Gallagher was the fact that he was out uh, on on the resulting power play. Um, which Suzuki got a kneeing penalty. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Brendan Gallagher uh, talks about being a role model, and, and, you know, we saw videos circulating about him uh, and his, his embellishments uh, as well this week. Um, I think this is more about Brendan Gallagher um, than it than it it is about Tim Stutzla and, and the way that that Brendan Gallagher is is uh, you know, he's he was just coming back and trying to insert himself and have an impact on the lineup, um, but the whole as I said the whole situation was odd. You have a knee on on one of the Senators' top players. Typically, what happens after that is then. Um, you know, according to the code, um, Nick Suzuki is going to have to face somebody on, on Ottawa. It didn't happen. Instead, it's Gallagher on the ice going after Stutzla, which, you know, the whole situation seemed a little odd. But um, anyway, that, it, it, um, it certainly took a lot of, uh, of ink and, uh, and a lot of mad keyboard uh, typing on social media. Uh, after uh, Brendan Gallagher's comments. Yeah, I I don't think that Gallagher's comments were necessarily wrong about Tim Stutzla. I don't know that uh, the kneeing incident was necessarily a good example of that, but uh, after watching uh, Tim Stutzla for a couple of years here, I, I know that he can be guilty of uh, maybe embellishing a little bit, but at the same time, I think maybe this is a bit of a case of maybe pot meat kettle if that's fair <laughs> uh, it's not like Gallagher's a stranger to lying around on the ice and being a little dramatic um, certainly an odd quote and to be completely honest it's not really a quote that I would want from one of my veteran guys a guy who's supposed to be a leader in the room after he loses six to three at home to the Ottawa Senators so that part kind of rubbed me a little bit of the wrong way 
Yeah, that that final um, the final score was kind of an afterthought after all of the <laughs> after all of the excitement about the comments. Yeah, which was maybe the purpose. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that's certainly possible, and uh, not not that I know for sure, but it certainly seemed like Gallagher was uh, pretty distracted by Tim Stutzla after that. Uh, he was uh, barking at uh, the Ottawa bench quite a bit after uh, the incident, and then, like you said, uh, going after Tim Stutzla towards the end of the game, uh, trying to rough him up. Uh, uh, it was odd. That's a good way to put it. Very odd. So now uh, we have some Habs and hockey news. Uh, I guess starting off with the hockey news here, uh, Anaheim Ducks captain Ryan Getzlaff announced his intention to retire at the end of the season. Uh, Getzlaff has one Stanley Cup, uh, two Olympic gold medals, uh, one heck of a career. Uh, it's honestly kind of a shame that the Ducks haven't had a great team the last few years. And uh, I guess uh, congratulations on the great career to Ryan Getzlaff. What a great career, 17 years uh, and all with one team, all with the Ducks. Um, that says something uh, these days. Um, it, it was interesting, and he talked about wanting to go out on his terms before uh, his body um, you know, forced him, him out. Um, he's 36 years old and, and, um, and, and, you know, made the decision, um, and is going to finish the season and, and then, uh, call it quits. I thought it was interesting in the, the little ceremony, uh, where he had to speak that, uh, he got quite choked up. He teared up when he talked about Corey Perry, former Canadians, uh, winger Corey Perry, who he called, uh, his best friend. And quote, we started together on this journey. It would have been great to finish this way, but obviously our business is what it is. He's been an inspiration and my partner through all of this. Um, Perry and Getzlaff won the Stanley Cup together um, in their, their second season in the NHL in uh, 2007. Of course, uh, that, all, that team also had Tamo Solani, uh, one of my favorites, and uh, J.S. Jaguer and, and Scott Niedermeyer and, and others. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that year around me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, uh, for Ottawa fans. And, um, I think the interesting part here is that he spent his 17 years with the Ducks, but that could have changed last year. And that was at the trade de- deadline that Mark Bergevin pushed hard, uh, his friend, Bob Murray uh, in Anaheim to acquire uh, Ryan Getzlaff uh, at at the trade deadline. Um, he wanted to reunite him with Corey Perry on the fourth line, and um, Getzlaff refused to to waive his no trade to go to Montreal. But uh, that would have been very interesting to to see, um, and and it was a great fourth line with Eric Stahl. Uh, already, um, but uh, to add the leadership in addition to Perry and Stahl of a Getzlaf uh, would have been, I'm not saying it would have made things d- different uh, in the Stanley Cup final, but uh, an interesting move that didn't happen. Yeah, Getzlaf, Perry, and Stahl all in the same line would have been amazing in 2006. So it's it's too bad we didn't get to see that last year, but uh, like uh, like we both said, uh, amazing career for Ryan Getzlaff. And uh, today, April the 9th, marks the twentieth anniversary for the return to the ice for Zaku Koivu, who won his battle with cancer. A uh, great story and uh, iconic moment. Uh, I'll uh, get you to provide some details on that one, Rick. 
Well, we, we know he was diagnosed uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, he battled cancer, uh, missed the first uh, 79 games of the 2001-2002 uh, season. Um, and then on April 9th, 2002, um, he laced up the skates for the first time uh, in that season to, uh, to go against the Ottawa Senators, as, as fate would have it. Um, and uh, the, in the Bell Centre, the ovation he got when he came out onto the ice uh, was incredible. Called the Molson Centre at that time. Um, it was a nine-minute ovation for Saku Koivu. Um, and uh, yeah, even when they went to, uh, he, he was in the starting lineup, went to stop the puck, uh, drop the puck. The, the referee went to drop the puck and, and Sack would take the face off. Um, the, the referee had to pull back because the ovation was just thunderous. Um, in his first game back played eight minutes and 22 seconds, which was actually less than the nine minute ovation that he got, um, they beat the senators that night four to three, um, and they um, they secured their their playoff berth, um, and that was the first time in four years that the Canadians had uh, been back to the playoffs. So it was a big moment for Saku, big moment for the Canadians and their fans. Um, two more games remaining in the season. He had two assists uh, to finish out the season, and uh, then he was. Um, the, the Canadians went on to face the Bruins in the first round and, uh, Saku was, uh, you know, um, had a major impact, uh, on, uh, being able to dispatch, uh, the, 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 uh, Bruins in that first round series. So, um, 20 years ago, uh, today we're thinking about, um, uh, the, remembering the, the, an iconic moment in Canadians history, and that is the return of Saku Koibu. Yeah, such a great moment. But uh, I think now's a good time to take our uh, first uh, break here on Canadians Connection. Coming up, uh, we will hear from our sponsors, and then we have our big topic discussion. Amy Johnson's going to step in and join us. It'll be all three for a discussion entitled Rebuilding Leadership. Stay with us. You are listening to Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA contests. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $5 on UFC 273, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and over. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, we're glad that you're back here for segment two. And hey, yes, a new voice joining the show. I heard you. Uh, I heard that uh, Rick and Michael, uh, there, there was a third chair brought into the studio for today. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. I'm glad to be here with both of you for the second segment, our big topic today. Of course, uh, just want to remind folks to uh, be sure to follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, subscribe to the podcast at CanadiansConnection.fm. Um, gentlemen, I'm glad to be here with you today for the big topic, rebuilding the leadership of the Canadians. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things particularly when we look at how um, how things ended last season after that Cinderella run to the Stanley Cup final. A serious lack of leadership then transferred from that season to this season. Uh, you know, the four players really uh, guided the team through that campaign. Shea Weber and Carey Price obviously not even uh, playing so far this year due to injuries. Corey Perry and Eric Stahl no longer with the organization. So it left a big leadership gap. And now the Canadians are are faced with the task of of who is we you know, we've talked in previous weeks about the next generation of uh, the players for the Canadians. But what's the next generation of the leadership core for the Canadians? Um, and guys, I thought I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, on Monday, the, the Canadians took their official team photo for for the for the season. Um and there were a couple of guys who weren't there who who some are going to be photoshopped in. Some aren't. Uh, Jonathan Duran and Andrew Molson weren't there, but they're going to be photoshopped in. However, Shea Weber apparently isn't going to be included at all. Um, and when we're talking about, OK, those guys, he and Kerry haven't played this season, but they're still part of the team. Right. I mean, that's still part of your leadership core that you're building off of. No, that's right. Um, that um, and and we should uh, make the point that uh, Shea Weber hasn't been around the team. Um, he's made a couple of appearance appearances at the beginning of the season, and then when they were out west in in Seattle. Um, but he hasn't. Um, his injuries have prevented him from traveling um, to to Montreal, and and uh, we haven't seen him. Uh, but officially, he is still uh, the captain. The Canadians are not one of those five teams in the NHL uh, who do not have a captain. Um, and um, I, I've seen some some um, comments on on um, social media that that's the reason uh, the Canadians don't have a captain. They didn't name a captain. They should have named a captain. Otherwise, you know, the, the season would have gone much better. Well. Uh, Calgary doesn't have a captain. Um, they're doing fine. The New York <laughs> Rangers don't have a captain. Uh, they're doing they're just doing fine. All right. Yeah, they're doing pretty well. So um, it isn't just about having the, the 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 C on the jersey, but there is, as you said, a uh, serious lack of leadership. We talked about uh, Perry and, and Stahl in the last um, uh, segment. And um, and and it's been it's been difficult. Uh, the Carey Price, such a calming um, uh, effect. Shea Weber, such a huge presence, um, and and all of that has been absent this year. And and uh, um, you know, it's it was coaching a problem this year. Yes, it was talent a problem this year. Yes, uh, but leadership has to be uh, considered. As uh, as one of those issues that uh, has affected the performance of the team this year. Yeah, and I think I'll also point out that uh, Joel Edmondson not being around to start the season too, I think, had a pretty big impact. Uh, he's a huge leader for that team as well. 
it's interesting that that you you may not have said so um, last year. He, uh, you know, in the the run up to the uh, the Stanley Cup final, um, you know, same thing could have been said about uh, Ben Sherratt. But it was those guys who, uh, both Edmondson and Sherratt, who learned from uh, Shea Weber what it takes to be a leader on this team. And, uh, and obviously, both of them. Uh, we saw Sherratt, some of the things that he did in the past uh, year, of course, uh, on to Florida now, uh, kind of acted as, as, as a captain. And uh, we just played um, what uh, uh, Luke Richardson said about Edmondson's good point that, uh, you know, he has uh, assumed some of the, those big shoes uh, of Shea Weber this season. What's everyone's feelings on on the fact that sh- there are not plans for Shea Weber to be photoshopped into the team photo? I mean, he is part of the team. He's he's the captain. Last time I checked, he's been the captain all season, even though he's not physically present. I find that a bit disappointing and a li- and and more than a little disrespectful to Shea Weber to to not include him in this team photo. Yeah, I agree. Um, I found that very odd that they wouldn't at least have him there. Not Maybe not necessarily in full hockey gear, but uh, even just a suit and a tie, just kind of off to the side or, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I would assume they would have talked to Shea Weber before this happened and got his opinions on it. Uh, it's, it is pretty bizarre, in my opinion, that he would not at least be photoshopped in there. Yeah, and maybe this is coming, and we're speculating here, maybe this is coming from Shea Weber saying, you know, I wasn't uh, part of the team. Um, the guys who are being photoshopped, Jonathan Drouin uh, actually uh, played. Uh, Carey Price uh, was there. He um, um, hasn't played yet, but is expected to play uh, very soon. Um, so uh, maybe there the, the line was drawn in that way. Um, I'm not sure. Um, does it have something to do with, you know, the media have made it such a big deal about um, uh, about Shea Weber not meeting and not speaking and not granting them a media availability. That I understand a whole lot more. Uh, you don't want, um, because of the situation he's in, you don't want Shea Weber speaking to the media. He's 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 very good in front of the media, but I'm not. I'm 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 more confident in his abilities than um, the media's abilities to restrain themselves and not ask an inappropriate question that would put the Canadians in a, in a difficult situation. We know that Shea Weber is uh, not going to return to hockey. We know that his injuries prevent him from doing so. Um, and people say, why, why, why doesn't he just retire? Well, he, you know, um, he's on LTIR. The, the rules for that are pretty strict by the NHL. He can't say anything. The Canadians can't say anything about his situation to indicate, uh, you, you know, that his career is over uh, because that would negate uh, the relief that uh, the Canadians are enjoying uh, from, his, uh, from the LTIR. Uh, so, you know, this has to be managed uh, very, very carefully, and it, it could have a huge impact on, on the Canadians, could have a huge impact on Nashville uh, with the recapture penalty. This is something that has to be managed rather than just the whims of, a, you know, one of the beat reporters. I want to talk to Shea Weber. Um, they're, they're, they're being silly. They're being selfish, and, and they're not recognizing uh, the reality of the situation. Well, yeah, there is... Um, I- 
So I'm sorry. Right I, was gonna I was just going to point out uh, some uh, comments from Jonathan Duran earlier this year, basically saying that he thinks that Shea Weber was retired, and that was a whole fiasco on its own. That well, the Canadians a, had to walk yeah. back. Yeah, exactly. Ab absolutely, that was you know, and and so you don't want to see that. It's a good point that you make, uh, Rick, and 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 yes, that point as well, Michael. That that you know, there's more at play here than just we want to talk to player X Y Z. Um, it's 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 a shame that sometimes uh, folks lose the the bigger picture view of things instead of just focusing on on but I want this right now and that whole instant gratification kind of thing. So Rick as you mentioned uh, there are there were five teams in the NHL this season without a captain. Uh, but but Kent Hughes has has said there will be a captain in place uh, for for the next season. In the team photo that they took uh, this week, of course, there were four alternates, uh, Edmondson, who Michael men mentioned being one of them, as well as Brendan Gallagher, Paul Byron, and Nick Suzuki, uh, who uh, we can certainly speculate as to whether or not any of any or all of those would be in consideration to wear the C in the fall. But before we really kind of tackle who should wear the C, I'd like to get everyone's thoughts on on just what the qualities are that make a good NHL captain because it's it's not enough to just say that guy's really popular and so he should wear the C and be the captain. It just it's it doesn't work that way. Um I'll I'll defer to to the two of you first and then I'll I'll see if there's anything on my list that's that's left over afterwards. Rick Rick what a Let's start with you. What what do you really think are captain qualities that make a, a for a good NHL captain? Well, um, uh, you know, fans out there um, are they figured it out. Um, Rem Pitlick is my be is my favorite player, so he should be <laughs> captain. Um, you know that that's they've figured it out. My favorite player equals captain. Um, the most popular player on the team equals captain. And that couldn't be, that just doesn't work. Uh, it really doesn't work. And Shea Weber was one of the greatest captains the Montreal Canadiens have ever had. There should be no debate about that. Uh, and the reason he was such a, a great captain is his presence. We, we um, you know, we've, we've talked about how in the past, how uh, Shea Weber comes into a room, he, he gets on the ice and there's a presence um, you know, everybody gets quiet. Um, and, but one of the, one of the, uh, you know, Shea Weber never tried to intimidate anybody, but it just happened naturally. He was always very inclusive. He was always the guy who was organizing events. He was always the guy who would welcome new players to the team. Uh, he was always trying to, you know, with the Canadians, there's the, the possibility that there's going to be cliques in the in the dressing room, particularly French or English or uh, European players, and and he would always break that down. Um, so I think uh, having a presence, being inclusive, uh, and also having respect around the league, because the captain's the guy who's going to have to go and uh, speak to to the referees, uh, the officials. Uh, Shea Weber had ultimate respect. Um, from the officials, and he did. He played that role uh, exceptionally well, um, and and also in the media, um, Shea Weber was uh, was very supportive of management of the coaching staff, but also was exceptionally good 
at taking um, uh, the the concerns of the players forward to the coaching staff in private, uh, and and making making sure that that uh, the coach coaching staff understood and respected the views of of the players. So there's a lot here at play. And none of them have anything to do with um, with a captain's popularity. All of those so. good oh, points, uh, Michael. Let's let's get let's let you uh, kind of chime in here and see if if you've got some some additional qualities that make a good NHL captain. Yes, I'm very excited to chime in here. Um, <laughs> one of the things that uh, I think a captain should have is uh, an ability to handle the media. Uh, I don't know that that's something that a lot of people necessarily think about, but uh, he has to be someone that can answer the tough questions and uh, I guess remain calm in like those post-game pressers. I think uh, he's somebody that uh, has to be well-liked within the media and respected within the media as well. To me, that's a huge part of it because when you're a captain, you're kind of the face of the franchise and you have to represent your team very well. So to me, that's kind of an underrated side of things. And I guess to add on to what Rick is saying, uh, you have to be the most respected guy within that dressing room. When you speak, people have to listen. And uh, I guess one of the last things I will mention as well is uh, an ability to keep your emotions in check and not get carried away. You don't want to be that guy that's making headlines for all the wrong reasons. You want to be the guy that when the media or your teammates speak to you, you have that calming presence. And I think uh, Shea Weber kind of ticked off all of those categories. It's a really good list of qualities from both of you. In fact, um, I'm I'm checking off things on my list as both of you are speaking. You know, I had kind of along the lines of, of what, uh, you both were saying I had had you, you need a calm, steady presence, as Rick was saying, I, you know, show emotion when necessary, um, connecting to all the members of the team. I'll just add two other things. I also think it needs to be someone who's a team first guy. You can't have a, a selfish mm-hmm. captain. You can't have someone who's an individual player. It has to be someone who is consistently uh, thinking about the team and his teammates first and foremost. Um and then beyond that, being a responsible player, both on the ice and off the ice. And sometimes that extends into being a responsible player um, at home too. you know, the, the personal side of things as well. You know, Michael just said, you don't want to be making headlines for all the wrong reasons. And that certainly is the case in terms of, you know, your play on the ice or things that you say in the press and whatnot. But you also don't want to be making headlines, uh, you know, when you're away from the rink either. So I think someone who's responsible, plays responsible, acts responsibly, um, and, and is a team first guy, I think would round out my list. Sounds good. Um, so with those things in mind, let's just take a look at some of the, uh, some of the guys who, who really could be targeted to wear that C as far as people who are currently on, on the roster. I'm, going to throw out a few names and then we can we can kind of start uh here you know of course Carey Price is still a leader there's no denying that Carey Price is is a an immense presence in that locker room and has a big effect on on the team and fans and the media um you know you've got guys like Price uh we mentioned this before Gallagher has been talked about a lot Paul Byron Nick Suzuki Joel Edmondson um Rick is there is there a do you think there's one 
solution here that stands out more than the others? Or is this going to be more of kind of a, a fine tuning and really looking at kind of the, the smaller details in, in determining which of these guys is could be the one to be the next captain? Um, to, in that group that, that you mentioned, as you said, Carey Price, Carey Price won't wear the C, uh, but he will be um, the, the unnamed uh, captain of the team. Um, last year it was Carey Price and Shea Weber's team. Uh, going forward, as long as uh, his his uh, the rehab of his knee goes well, it, it will be Carey Price's his team um, bringing in other people, other members of of the leadership group. Um, but he won't wear a letter on on his his jersey. Um, the other four uh, that that you mentioned are all. Uh, are each uh, each wore an A uh, at the the uh, final photo, and and we should say that official team photos are done twice a year. They're done at the beginning of the season. They're done after, sometime after, the trade deadline, kind of a beginning and the end of the season. So the four uh, that you mentioned, Byron uh, Suzuki, Edmondson, and Gallagher, all had an A, and uh, you know I think that that uh, because they're uh, that management had a role in that, that uh, they're setting up that, that those, those are the four that could be under consideration um, to be part of the leadership group uh, next year and maybe captain. Um, just uh, as far as the group, uh, Paul Byron is there because of his longevity. Um, he, is, he is a team first. He is a Montreal first uh, kind of guy. You you hear that all the time when he speaks. Of all of of the group that we mentioned, he's the only one who's uh, fluent in French, so is popular with the media. Um, but Paul Byron is not. Uh, Paul Byron was a waiver pickup. Paul Byron could be out of the lineup. Um, you know, as the team improves at any time as a healthy scratch, Paul Byron will not be um, captain uh, of the team. Um, Nick Suzuki, we remember that Mark Bergevin uh, said um, quite openly in an interview that um, Nick Suzuki will be the next captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he was very um, explicit. Now, Mark Bergevin's uh, not around anymore, um, and uh, you know his wishes don't have to be honored. But I think it was just an indication that Nick Suzuki was, um, you know, going to be the face of the team, was going to be uh, the player that they built around, and um, I, I, I think, and and it all made quite a, a, a good amount of sense a year ago when he said it. Uh, the difficulty there is that um, Nick Suzuki's play on. On the ice has been good, but he hasn't. He's a quiet person, and he hasn't really showed uh, any kind of qualities as a, as a leader um, um, off the ice. And and could he um, could he develop? Could he grow? Sure, he can. Um, but it hasn't really happened yet. Um, Brendan Gallagher was always thought of as the captain in waiting uh, behind. Um, um, Shea Weber, um, you know, he, the cliches that are tossed out about Gallagher is he gives 100% on every shift and and uh, he bleeds, um, you know, um, blue and red and all of that. has, And maybe all of that was true at one time. It as Sadly, I think the injuries are, are catching up with uh, Brendan Gallagher and, um, and, and that isn't the case anymore. He's having one of his worst seasons ever. 
Um, and he hasn't been the, the contributor. He, his body hasn't allowed him to be the contributor and hasn't, hasn't allowed him to, to play the way he's effect, uh, been most effective. Marty St. Louis has said uh, his plan is to rewire um, Brendan Gallagher was the term he used. Um, you know, Brendan Gallagher, because of the injuries to his hands, he doesn't have the, the shot anymore. His skating is, is, is poor, and, and so he doesn't have those skills. So uh, to be effective, he has to go to the net, what he's used to. I don't know how much you can rewire a Brendan Gallagher, um, but, um, you know, maybe this was just a matter of, of uh, improving his his trade value in the off season, uh, which, which is commendable, um, you know, rather than, rather than driving down the, the value of players like Bergevin did. But, um, you know, Brendan Gallagher is, is he that guy? Is he the captain guy anymore? I don't know. We, we saw him disappear in the playoffs last year. We saw him disappear against Philadelphia the, the year before, in fact, made a healthy scratch by Kirk Muller. Um, I, I don't know. I think time has passed. Brandon Gallagher, he doesn't have a good relationship with officials. Um, and we saw, you know, he said he has to be calm when speaking to the media. <laughs> he's, he's far from that. He's very emotional. Um, and so I'll just mention, um, without taking up too much time here, uh, too late, um, Joel Edmondson, um, we, we heard uh, the words from, Luke Richardson about how he's taken on uh, the qualities of Shea Weber, how he's become a presence. Jake Evans was quoted as saying he's becoming a true leader on this team. That presence, um, you you see that that Edmondson off the ice has been the leader of this team this year, even though he's missed so much time. Um, think back to November. The 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 Montreal they're they're playing terribly. They're off to a terrible start. Um, but the, 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 the game night crew had an idea to, to completely remake things. And so the intro music that the Canadians came out to, uh, they tossed uh, Fix You by Coldplay and they instituted um, Rage Against the Machine, Bulls on, Bulls on Parade. Bulls on Parade. That's yep. right. Um, it, it wasn't working. Uh, the players hated it. Fans hated it. And Joel Edmondson, Brendan Gallagher said, I don't know what happened. All we got, all, all of a sudden we got a text from Eddie that said, uh, don't worry, it's fixed. I took care of it. And then when they, they went on the ice, they were skating out to uh, Coldplay's Fix You. He t- takes things upon himself. He took things upon himself uh, for the rookie dinner. He organized that whole event in, in Vancouver where he had, you know, the rookies parading around uh, Vancouver in um, wetsuits and, and frogman gear. And uh, he looked after that whole thing as something Shea Weber would have done. And something Shea Weber was, was uh, did every time was when a new player came to a group, he, he took him, took him out for dinner. And we noticed that when Jordan Harrison arrived in, in um, Florida, uh, didn't know anybody uh, straight out of college. Uh, it was, Joel Edmondson, who took him out for his first meal, invited Christian Dvorak along, and they went out for sushi. So, um, you know, maybe it's Joel. Ed- I wouldn't have said so at the beginning of this season, but uh, if anyone has showed uh, that he belongs on the leadership team and maybe as a potential captain um, for next year, 
Uh, and and it doesn't say, you know, uh, Joel Edmondson, it, it, maybe he's kind of an interim uh, kind of guy as, as captain until one of the younger leaders um, develops. Uh, maybe a, a Suzuki or maybe it's a Gooley or maybe it's a Harris uh, that develops. But Joel Edmondson can be your guy in the meantime. I I'd have to agree with with you there. Um, I I agree on your comments on Brendan Gallagher. I think uh, you know we it's I kind of look at this list of names and I run through the list that the three of us collectively put together of the qualities of an NHL captain and I compare them to each person and there's so many of those things on that list that Brendan Gallagher doesn't meet. Yes, he's a team first guy. Um, you know, yes, he's a, a, a responsible human being. Um, and maybe some of his, you know, I, I'm not denying that he might have that he has the respect of his teammates as a veteran and a guy who plays with a lot of heart and so forth. But you're right. I mean, he's uh, he can be emotional. And as we saw this week, fire off at the mouth, um, maybe not in a in a respectful or or logical way. Um he certainly doesn't have a great relationship with the officials in the league. Um, and, and so, um, you know, I don't, while I believe that, that Brendan Gallagher should retain an A, I don't, I don't think that he would be the right choice, um, for, for wearing the C. I also agree that Nick's. May I just add to that? Just one more point, uh, to Brendan Gallagher, his contract's going to work against him. Uh, he's not playing like a $6.5 million player. He has five years on that left, um, naming him as a captain, and then, you know, it's it's always tough to trade a captain. Um, it can be done. It has been done. Uh, but that's that's something, you know, being crass, his contract's going to work against him as, as well. Uh, Just to add on to what you said. Sure. Um, and that's that's absolutely, absolutely accurate. Um, I do believe that Suzuki will be a captain at some point, but I still think that he's got a lot of growing into that position to do. I'd like to see him spend at least another year with an A um, because you're right. He's while he he has tremendous leadership on the ice. I'm not sure that he is um, confident enough in his and 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 extroverted enough off the ice to to take all of those other qualities of the captain and really embrace them and and push them forward. So I think he needs to grow into that a little bit. So um, for me, I agree. I think Edmondson is is the answer right now. Um, uh, and he has been doing all of the things that you expect a captain to do. He's been acting like a captain uh, without Shea Weber being there. Um, so so I'd have to say I'm I'm pretty in line with what with what you had to say there, Rick, um, Michael, is there, is there, is there a, a different viewpoint that we're missing, uh, here is how do you feel about the, the guys who are most commonly talked about as wearing the C the next season? Yeah, you guys definitely are not wrong. I, I think if we look at the criteria we laid out, Joel Edmondson's a guy that fits that the most, but if it were up to me, if I had full control, of the team and making these decisions. I think I'm going into next season with uh, four alternates, kind of similar to what we did this year. And I think I want to put more effort into grooming and Nick Suzuki to be a future captain. And like Rick kind of mentioned as well, there are going to be some other younger players on their way. You never know what you're going to get in this year's draft. You have a Jordan Harris right now. You have a Caden Gooley on the way. I don't know that I'm going to want to commit the captaincy to a Joel Edmondson right now, to be completely honest. 
Um, you look at uh, what Joel Edmondson is, and you know what? Not that this should be working against him, but he's not, I guess, a household name. He's not the most known guy on the team. I'm sure, like, he's, uh, like, the leader right now, and I think he's a good interim kind of guy. I'm not sure that I'm going out of my way to put a C on his chest next season just to have a C on someone's chest. That's fair. That's that's, that's absolutely fair. Um, And uh, we'll see if... uh, It would be bold, I think, for the the Canadians to go uh, another season with four alternates. Um, But... uh, We'll see if if the general manager is as bold as as uh, and and maybe that's the right decision the the one that you uh, proffered there. And and here's just a, just a wild question for both of you: Is there any chance that there's someone whose name was not on this list yet that's just gonna that that management would potentially just come out of left field and say no? We, we know you've been talking about all of these guys, but here we're gonna we're gonna put the C on on this random person over here. It, that's not gonna happen, is it? <laughs> well, I think our silence uh, speaks, am I, am speaks I volumes. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think at one time Jeff Petrie was talked about as as a potential. I don't think he would have made a, a great captain, but it's pretty clear that that he's on his way out of out of Montreal um, in the off season. Um, the only one that I can see playing a role, maybe maybe not as captain, but if if Jeff Molson came down and said. Um, Jeff Molson has interfered in, in all kinds of hockey decisions. So it's not like that, that hasn't happened, but Jeff Molson comes down and says, um, I want, uh, a Quebecer. I want a Francophone as captain. Uh, then maybe you go to a David Savard who, um, has that, mm. um, you know, his, his tenure in, in the National Hockey League, he's a veteran. He's, he's been good with, uh, with Romanov um, and, and the younger players. Um, is, is, is he kind of, a, you know, out of the box? We've heard uh, Kent Hughes talk about, out of the, or, and Jeff Gordon talk about out-of-the-box solutions. Is mm-hmm. he an out-of-the-box solution? I, for me, maybe there's other names that, that uh, come to mind, but he's the only one for me that would, be, would fit that category. That's a yeah, good point. No, nobody really comes to mind for me right now, just because going into this offseason, I do think there are a lot of veteran players on this team that are probably going to be shopped around. And that's probably not what you want to do with a captain. And that's <laughs> part of why I'm kind of hesitant to say that we should give a guy like Joel Edmondson the captaincy right now, because I, I do think that, you know, despite all the qualities that he has, you know, you could get a pretty good return on a tool Edmondson this off season, potentially. Well, that's, that's always a possibility as well. We're expecting uh, Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon to be pretty active in the off season. So I think this is just one, another item on the list that all of us are going to be waiting with bated breath uh, to see what's going to happen next season. And uh, you can be sure we're going to talk about it. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> when, the, when a decision is finally made. Uh, guys, thanks so much for letting me pop in for the second segment. This was a really fun topic to talk about. Um, we are going to take our last break here on the Canadian connection podcast and i'm gonna hand the uh hand the ropes back over to you too um and in the next segment of course is when we let uh we let you have your say our listeners uh, we're gonna talk to you a bit about the 
the great content across all of our Rocket Sports platforms that you might have missed this last week, as well as get to the Canadians Connection question of the week and some reader emails, um, listener emails, uh, lots of great feedback from from our fans and followers. So you don't want to miss a minute of that. Uh, Stay tuned. You are listening to the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 186 of Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can visit CanadiansConnection.com. Also, you can text us anytime at our Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET. And uh, I believe it's only uh, Rick returning to the studio with me for the third segment. We're down to two chairs. Down to two chairs and then all of our, our listeners, because uh, this is the Have Your Say a section. Perfect. So I'll just start things off with uh, some promotion on uh, everything that you can find at allhabs.net. So first off, the Habs notepad. Chris G makes a weekly notepad. It comes out every Monday. He'll get you all set up and readied up for the week. You can also keep an eye out on Habs headlines. Uh, anytime there's a headline, we'll be sure to have that story up on allhabs.net. And also, game day previews and game recaps. Every single game, we'll get you set up with the preview. And you can also read about the game afterwards with our recaps. We have all sorts of comprehensive coverage on that. 
If you want to head over to YouTube, uh, we have Habs Hockey Report. You just heard her in the second segment. Amy Johnson hosts it, so you can head over there every Thursday. Please subscribe. Please leave a comment while you're there. Get all your Habs news. Feel free to interact with us. She's great about reading comments from the section from uh, the comments section. You can also leave questions, and she'll answer them. This week, uh, she goes in-depth on Brendan Gallagher's comments uh, regarding Tim Stutzla. Uh, The episode's entitled Brendan Gallagher, Let's Loose. So please like and subscribe, and you'll never want to miss an episode of that. Every Tuesday, we have our sister podcast, The Press Zone. This is your premier source for Habs Prospect News and Laval Rocket. Uh, We will give you all sorts of in-depth coverage. Like I kind of mentioned in segment one last week, uh, Patrick Williams stepped in for our AHL hot stove. And uh, Rick, uh, is there anything you can tell us uh, about this upcoming Tuesday? This week we're watching the Laval Rocket pushing for a playoff spot. It'll be exciting if they get there the first time in uh, Laval Rocket history and, and um, they are in a tight race uh, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that as well as uh, Prospect News, keeping an eye on uh, the uh, Frozen Four Championship, the national NCAA title and, uh, and Brett Stapley. So we'll have all kinds of news for you. Uh, be sure to uh, look for the Press Zone, the PressZone.fm, and subscribe to that podcast as well as the Canadians Connection. Perfect. So it's time for our Canadians Connection question of the week. Uh, what was your favorite moment on Canadians Photo Day? Rick, I'll uh, hand this one off to you. Sounds like an odd question because what could happen on uh, on a photo day? Uh, but we've posted three photos. Uh, on social media, on, um, on Instagram, um, uh, Instagram.com slash all Habs. Be sure to, to, uh, if you're on Instagram to, uh, like us there. And, uh, but all of the discussion or most of the discussion took place on our official, uh, all Habs fan page on Facebook, facebook.com slash all Habs. Uh, make sure to like the page. More than 50,000 of your fellow Habs fans have done that and jump in on the discussion. But this week, um, while the Canadians fans were talking about who was in the photo, who wasn't in the photo, why were they not in the photo, who's going to be in next year's photo, who's, you know, who's going to uh, take over the leadership of the team, they, there was a lot of discussion about the future by Canadians fans uh, Canadians fans were joined by Leafs fans and Bruins fans and Tampa Bay fans and uh, all kinds of fans from around. We had uh, one of one of our most uh, uh, engaged kind of discussions uh, on our Facebook page. Um, over a hundred thousand uh, interactions uh, on each of the photos, and there was a photo of the team. Uh, there was a, a photo that which which was uh, of Carey Price embracing. Cole Caulfield, and then there was a short video of uh, Cole Caulfield asking for a stool um, because he was between Jeff Petrie and Joel Edmondson, I think, in the photo uh, and uh, <laughs> needed a little boost. Um, so make sure, uh, if you want to be involved in that discussion and tell us what your favorite moment uh, was of this past week, uh, you go to uh, facebook.com slash allhabs, like the page uh, so you won't miss any of the posts. And, um, and you're w- most welcome to comment uh, right there. Perfect. And I believe we also had an email come in from a longtime listener. 
Dino, our, our dear friend, uh, Dino, in the Ottawa area. And um, he's, he's talking about uh, the podcast last week. And he said, what a great podcast. Uh, does our future look good? You betcha. Uh, these kids can play. And finally, management is recognizing that and letting them play. Uh, lots of dec- decades of, of where they weren't used or developed properly. And then what happens? There's confusion, crush confidence, waivers, the minors. Uh, this crop of kids will play to their strengths because it seems that we're finally allowing um, it to, to be nurtured. They're skating well. They're attacking from the defense. Um, and then he won't remember we, we talked uh, with Chris G uh, last week about the, uh, the, the, uh, all the talk about the Quebec Nordique uh, returning to the league. There was some sort of, there was some speculation about that and it involved the Ottawa Senators. Go back to listen to episode 185 if you want to hear more about that. Well, Dino says, what are my memories of the rivalry from the Canadians versus the Nordiques? Well, it wasn't so much about hockey. It was violent. It was hatred. Um, you mentioned in the podcast that infamous Good Friday matchup. Uh, I remember that very well. Bench-clearing brawl, cheap shot that ended Jean Hamel's career. Oh, that's what I remember. A blood bath. Uh, and he goes on with uh, Louis Slager and talks about him. Um, and But he says, uh, concerning the Nordiques, um, um, he's, he's, uh, yeah, I, th- I think, I think many, um, Habs fans would, would welcome the return. He offer, uh, he also offers his condolences, uh, to the loss of Eugene, uh, Melnick. Um, and then he talks about, uh, the five games that were proposed to play in Quebec and said, this is all about, uh, politics. Um, Lastly, he'll talk about uh, the. We've talked about the 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 Jays uh, last week. Uh, Justin Bear and uh, uh, Jordan Harris, um, uh, and 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 on. He said um, um, that give credit to Trevor Timmons uh, for bringing uh, particularly Harris into the into the fold, and uh, he wants him back with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he, he mentions uh, Guy Lafleur and uh, that he'll always be in our thoughts and prayers as he faces a difficult time uh, and says, uh, you know, thanks for listening to me. Uh, you're my uh, Canadian's family. So a uh, wonderful email. If you have an email, send it to us, info at allhabs.net. And we love getting them. We love reading them. Even the lengthy ones like this on the air. Yeah, well, he said, uh, thanks for listening to me. Well, thanks for listening to us. Uh, we do appreciate that, and I always love to hear from uh, our avid listeners. For sure. So we'll get everyone set up for uh, the upcoming games for the Montreal Canadiens this coming week. So tonight, Saturday, April the 9th, it's Montreal at Toronto. So that should be a fun game. Uh, make sure you tune into that one. And then on the 11th, uh, Winnipeg comes over to Montreal, and that'll be another interesting game, two Canadian teams. On the 13th of April, Montreal heads down to Columbus. So not uh, not too many challenges uh, other than Toronto this coming week. And then to end things off on the 15th, it's uh, the New York Islanders visiting Montreal. And could we see Carey Price um, either in that Friday night game, maybe more likely a week from 
today um, at home uh, versus the Washington Capitals. Um, the Carey Price, Price watch is on this week. Yep. Oh, super excited to see him get into a game. And uh, uh, if I were to be nitpicky about it, I hope we get to see him at home and give him a nice standing ovation. For sure. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you to all the listeners for listening in. Please subscribe to Canadians Connection in the player or on your favorite podcast apps. Also, you can share it on social media if you liked what you heard. Enjoy your week. We'll see you back here next Saturday, April the 16th for another great episode. Thank you once again for listening. This is Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.